Hey guys, welcome to Seeking What They Sought. I am Jesse Churchill, and today it's just me. You know, usually it's me and and uh, my good friends Eric, Sean, and Anthony um, on the podcast with me. But since it's just me today, I I just want to share how badly I want to tell you stories about them that they would never ever want to be publicized ever. And so, even though I want to, I won't because I'm a good friend. So I just want to I want to share that so you understand just the quality of friend that I am. Um, but, well, actually, I mean, I mean, I could actually, well, I, let me actually share one story, and it's about Eric. Eric is one of my best friends. We've grown up together. And, uh, yeah, let me just, let me just share this story. So, one time, Eric was uh, in the... And that is how he peeled the potato. And so, uh, yeah, anyways, I, I know uh, he'll probably hate me for this, for sharing that. But just wanted to share that, yeah, that's, uh, that, is, that is the story that, that he would never want in public. So, anyways, uh, let's get to the, to the actual reason I'm here with you today. I am here to read a letter. Um, and I want to give you some context for why we're reading this letter. If you listen to the rest of our series um, in the LGBTQ plus series that we have just been going through, uh, we had four episodes planned with uh, with with people that we were going to be walking through. We wanted to have a balanced perspective, both sides. Walk through people who had the experience. Walk through people who were scholars. Um, walk with walk through the conversation with people who were scholars, and and we wanted to do that because we we were just like, how do we how do we even begin to to talk about this? And so that's what we wanted to do. And then we talked about having a fifth episode where we talked to the friend of ours who was part of the LGBTQ plus community, and we were going to look back at the uh, at the series. Well, as we're going through the series, a couple of things happened. First of all, we heard about a situation where someone had been fired. That was Jay. Uh, we interviewed him. And so that was sort of a bonus episode. And then uh, partway through the series, we had a mess. We got a message from one of our friends and he had messaged us and uh, was just sharing uh, that he thought that the series was really meaningful. And, and what was funny about this is that he was someone that we had thought of interviewing. He is a gay uh, Christian, great gay Seventh-day Adventist, and working as a uh, as a uh, working in the Adventist school system, and the reason we never reached out was because we he had told uh, two of us specifically uh, that he was gay in confidence a long time ago. It would have been almost ten years ago at this point, and um, because of his situation, his work situation. Um, we, we knew that he wasn't really going to be able to share, but when he reached out to us, we, we just, we told him that. And, and he was like, well, actually, I feel like I'm in a space where I could share. And so we were really excited about that. And we, we, uh, scheduled an interview and we, we, ha- we recorded a whole episode and it was really amazing. We, all of us would say this about him. He is an incredibly, incredibly wise person. And I'm not saying that just to butter him up. Like he, he is an incredibly wise person. And some of the stuff that he shared was just like, oh, man, this is challenging and so good. Um, But he comes from the perspective where he looks at Scripture and says, I I just can't see it as any other way than I am called to be celibate as a gay follower of Jesus. And, And so he was sharing from that perspective, but just so much wisdom and a really balanced perspective. And we were really, uh, really thankful for that conversation. And then two days before we're going to post it, he messaged us and asked, Hey, I really hate to do this to you guys, but would you, could you not post it? And 
you know, we, we didn't know why. He said he, he, he gave a, a little bit of a reason, but then he also shared, I, I want to share more. I'm just in a lot of turmoil right now about this, and, and I want to share more with you guys later. And so we pulled it. We, we, we uh, have a ton of respect for him. We, we understood that if he was saying that, he really felt it. And so um, he, sent, he, he shared a letter with us that he had written sort of his reflection of where he had been over the last, um, where he had been in, in his thinking, in his mind over the last few weeks. And reading through it, I just remember um, that my first time reading through it, just sort of tearing up reading through it. Because um, as he's going to share in this letter, the journey, the struggle, the internal anguish and turmoil that he had been going through um, was just incredibly moving. And he describes it in a way that just, you know, no one else can really get a picture into the mind of somebody else until until they put it in words like this and and even then it's it's tough to understand but you can at least get a picture and so the uh our our hope in reading this and he has given us permission to do so is to share the the stakes of some of these conversations and the turmoil that it can put people into and so uh but also the hope and, and the goodness that, that God brings through it. So I'm going to read this letter uh, from a good friend of ours, and I hope that uh, it's a meaningful perspective for you. I didn't want to read another book on this topic. I had gone through enough deconstruction of this over and over again in my mind. I had rebuilt my theology and my identity too many times, and I didn't think there would be anything new. I didn't want to keep having this conversation. I wanted some stability in my faith. In fact, I was so sure that I knew where I stood on homosexuality and so sure of my own testimony as a gay Christian that I had interviewed several weeks earlier with some friends for a podcast series they were doing on this very topic. I also was prepared to look for a mixed orientation relationship. I was sure I had this down. I was certain that homosexual practice was not in God's plan and that God had called those of us who are gay to a life of abstinence. Then I read the book, Alicia Johnston's The Bible and LGBTQ Plus Adventist. It didn't strike me as sentimental or self-centered like the Matthew Vines book or other works I had read on my affirming the, on affirming theology. It struck me as humble and biblical, and, and I had a hard time disagreeing with its arguments. I asked my friends to pull my podcast episode a mere two days before they had planned to release it. My mantra in the last couple of years has been one of desiring to trust other people's faith journeys. Yes, I had believed sincerely in celibacy, but I also couldn't believe that, that the many people I had in my life who were actively living as gay Christians were any less sincere or any less connected with Jesus. I hadn't always believed that, but I knew too many people living as sincere gay Christians for me to believe anything else. Over the years, I have become less and less convinced this is a hill to die on for welcoming people to the body of Christ. But as I read the book, I couldn't help but wonder if affirming was what scripture taught. And by the end, I felt almost convinced. I once heard a pastor describe beliefs as firm convictions held loosely. If we are to be people of present truth and to keep from being from becoming dogmatic, we must be humbly led by the Spirit and never believe we have all the light God has to give. I want to be humble and teachable, but this, this was hard. This became a crisis for me, Not a crisis of faith in God, but a crisis of understanding his will. There were so many what-ifs. If I became affirming, who would I need to apologize to? How many people had I misled? If I was fully affirming, would I get married? Would I lose my career with the church? Would I lose my denominational home? 
So many of Alicia's words describing where her theology had been were mirror images of where I was. She echoed the very things I had said to people over the years. I discussed this with a safe pastor who I love dearly. He listened and shared with care and compassion, but I still had much to wrestle through. And as I wrestled, the questions became deeper and more intense. I had arrived at my original theology of celibacy after many prayerful studies and conversations over many years. I'd begun my research in my teenage years and had arrived for the first time at a calling of celibacy at the young age of 13 or 14. I arrived there at that time with no guidance from anyone else in the church. If I had been so wrong for so long, could I trust my ability to study the Bible? If I had been so wrong, was I resistant to change because I viewed my ability to know God's will in a prideful way and now I was ashamed? Could I have been condescending in how I viewed my spirituality compared to others? Yes, I do believe that to have been that to have been true of me, and I recognize those traits still are there. I felt shame and fear and sensed there would be loss. But I also felt anger. I had friends with affirming theology that seemed to have gotten there without wrestling with the scriptures like I did. Yeah, there's the pride and condescension again. If that were true, I felt it was unfair that they arrived at this conclusion so far ahead of me purely based on feeling and not based on any kind of scriptural study. Don't we need both knowledge and experience to make the best judgments, heart and mind? Why had I been allowed to be convicted so wrongly for so long? I must again acknowledge I fully see my condescension and spiritual pride in those statements. Had I perhaps only used knowledge, not experience, which led me to have the wrong knowledge through my unbalanced approach? These thoughts would then spiral back into the shame of having been so wrong and the fear of having potentially misled others. The fear of misleading others meant I wanted to be sure now of my beliefs. But if I chose wrong again, I could mislead others again. And if I choose affirming, I'd pay a new price. I'd already paid the price of years of living a life of celibacy. I had put away my desire for intimacy for so long I wasn't sure if it could be truly revived. Now I might end up losing my career in Christian schools and with with it all my career dreams, my church community, and potentially friends and family. Or I could live a life that didn't embrace all the potential of my new beliefs to be a silent sufferer advocating for those, for others from within the church, hiding what I truly believed from those who had power and desire to remove me from my position because of my theology. And what of my friends in other places who I love so deeply? Would they still accept me or would their more conservative cultural environment destroy the friendships we had cultivated? I felt a deep sense of loneliness. I know God probably would have told me something like what he told Elijah. There were many others like me. But I felt all the side B people I knew, people who believed in celibacy for those with same-sex attractions, had experienced same-sex relationships and left them for celibacy. I felt like I was alone and having never tasted that experience and having lived for so long, choosing to keep myself from it. Then, piece by piece, I began finding peace. First, it came from sharing with a friend who gave me Alicia's book. I cried over my need to apologize to friends I had hurt through my old ways of sharing. The foundations for peace being able to enter my soul were being laid. But I still didn't actually feel peace in my soul. For almost two weeks, I wrestled with an aching in my heart. The spiral of shame, fear, and doubt marched on in an endless loop that made me absolutely miserable. Barriers sprung up around my heart that kept me from being present with the people physically near me. I was almost completely emotionally detached for an entire two-day field trip with the students at my school. But the glimpses of hope and renewal continued. 
I got a call from a friend quite by surprise, and our discussion eventually arrived at the point where he expressed enthusiasm over the potential for me finding someone to love and spend my life with. I wasn't ready for that affirmation, but I was ready for that acceptance if that was the direction I would end up going. I messaged another friend and had a similar conversation, and a similar affirmation transpired. I saw this friend in person a few days later, and we spent time together as though it was this I was the same person I'd always been. This one drastic potential change in beliefs didn't change our friendship. But I was still hurting. The, the healing hadn't begun yet. Another friend asked how I was doing, but how could I tell her? I had turned down her romantic overtures because of my same-sex attraction. How could I burden her with this? How could I reopen what may have been a wound for her? And then it came a moment I had dreaded and wanted to put off. A friend who I loved but came from a culturally conservative part of the world messaged me about the trip I had gone on, and I was unable to lie to him, and I told him I didn't enjoy it. Inevitably, he asked why. I struggled with how to answer. I didn't want to be dishonest. I trusted him. But he knew my old side B theology, and that seemed to be his position uh, position for gay people. He himself is not gay. If I had become affirming, would this bridge would this be a bridge too far for him in the culture he lives in, for, for his own personal viewpoints? What if my answer disappointed you, I asked him. Try me, came the reply. It's okay if you don't want to talk about it. I want to because I love you and I trust you, but I don't because I don't want my faith journey to be a stumbling block to you or a hindrance to our friendship. That's okay, but to tell you, I, I'm not that shallow. I tried to explain that I worried about our cultural differences getting in the way and that I didn't want to lose him in my life. He continued to encourage me, so I shared my story. He asked what led me to this point, and then then he told me to free myself from doubts. At that moment, I looked up what he had written earlier while I was typing my story. It read, There's nothing that can change the fact that you're friends with me, and I hope you don't think that there's something that'll change that. He gave me exactly what I needed in that line, and that rest of our and the rest of our conversation reassurance acceptance and love we we shared we laughed we expressed openness to the fact that god may have more light to give us both and for the first time in quite some time i felt peace i had the reassurance that whatever the cost would be i would have people i loved in my corner that had been expressed already, but this conversation where I was finally able to be totally honest about the pain I was feeling inside lifted a huge burden off my shoulders. I finally could believe what people had said because I had been totally transparent and was still regarded with love and affirmation. I realized that is exa- that is exactly what we LGBTQ people need. As I continued sorting through my thoughts the next day, I finally settled on a place that has brought me great peace a place I was able to celebrate with another LGBTQ friend. And here uh, he lists bullet points. I believe I don't have to know everything with complete certainty. In fact, I can't. I believe I do not get to and need to love, I do get to and need to love LGBTQ people, including myself, with an unconditional love and affirmation that accepts and celebrates their faith. I believe I am not called to change other people's beliefs. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the internal heart work. I need to always be mindful of how I share my beliefs. My first job is to love and accept. This means I can be affirming of LGBTQ Christians and not worry. We need to love first. This is the overarching principle that overrides all other theology. 
I believe that people with different viewpoints can have this conversation in a healthy way with big doses of love, respect, and willingness to listen and accept when we don't reach the same conclusion. We can both agree and God always has more light to give us. I believe I have witnessed a model for this. I believe the issue of who we love should not create barriers in the church. I believe the Bible sheds different light to different people depending on their perspective and depending on what light God wants us to have. I don't believe the Bible is clear-cut, is a clear-cut, straightforward rule book. It was intentionally inspired in a way that makes some things challenging to understand. This requires diligence and faith. Some things will be sealed up until the appointed time. Some things God, cho- God may choose to reveal in different ways to us at different times. I would even go so far as to say different people arrive at different conclusions may, be, may end up being part of God's design. His ultimate goal is to restore our relationship with him, and we all need different experiences to get there. I believe that God calls people to committed, monogamous, loving, same-sex relationships. I am also inclined to believe that some of us he calls to something else, but that both sides are correct in our understanding of God's calling in our lives. I will go to an LGBTQ wedding, and I will celebrate their love. I will be a safe, affirming place for students and others. I will use the term gay to describe myself, no more same-sex attracted. I will be a seeker and sharer of truth, but I will also trust other people's faith journeys. Today, I reopen my studies and I want to understand the scriptures better. I have questions. I have disagreements with some of what I've recently read and some of what I previously believed. I am ready if I find scripture still tells me personally, no, on same-sex relationships, but says yes to others. I may have some things wrong in my current understanding. However, I am ready to learn. Moreover, I am at peace. What I am fully certain of right now, these of course are firm convictions that I will hold loosely so I can be be ready for more of God's light as he gives it, is this. I can be fully affirming of others no matter what because of the bigger principles of scripture, the weightier matters of the law. God has a specific plan for me. I might end up pursuing a mixed orientation marriage, a boyfriend, or just continue to be celibate. I'm open to any of it. I'm still scared. I'm still not totally certain. I know I have more to learn. But I am where I am today, and I can be nowhere else. I will be where I will be tomorrow. I was where I was yesterday. And I pray that I am humble and willing to learn But here I rest with my beliefs until God further enlightens me. In the words of William Miller, here I mean to stand until God gives me more light.